Our reading this morning is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 20. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and minds now to experience you anew. Open our eyes that we may see and our minds to understand all that you have for us this morning. Amen. Well, we've been, uh, after Pentecost, it seemed only right that having heard about the coming of the Holy Spirit, we then would look at some of the occasions when the Holy Spirit was seen uh, in action through the disciples. So this is the first that we are looking at. And how I want you to start, I want you just to look at your hands. Just look at your hands. I mean, think, what have you done with your hands 
this week? What have you held in your hands this week? For some of you that may be an angle grinder. For some of you it may be a pencil. For some of you it could be a food mixer. It could be anything. Who have you touched with those hands? Who have you embraced? What is in your hands? Our hands communicate on our behalf. They communicate our inner self in so many ways. And throughout the Bible, we see different occasions where uh, the hand, it's like the hand of God, but the hand is used as this sort of uh, expression David, if you remember, chose five smooth stones because that's what he was good at. That's what was to hand. And he picked them up and used them. Joshua walked around a city and blew a ram's horn and shouted because that's what they had. They had voices, so they shouted. Moses used his staff. Esther used her position to gain an audience with the king. Paul looks at the statues in the city and uses them to start his discourse. Jesus, of course, was given five loaves and two small fish and from that fed 5,000. Time and again, we see God putting something in people's hands for them to use, turning the ordinary into the extraordinary, reacting to their surroundings. And this morning we see something which is actually quite similar. Peter and John approaching the temple at the customary time for prayer. It's three in the afternoon and they're going up to the temple for prayer. And there are several gates into the temple and they have chosen the beautiful gate. The beautiful gate. Did you see um, the uh, service for the Jubilee? And you saw the entrance doors to St. Paul's Cathedral behind that lineup. Think about that. These gates, the beautiful gate, were probably 75 feet high and took 20 people to open them. So they're big and they're covered in polished Corinthian brass. So they're beautiful. A place of grandeur, a place of real being, of destination, of optimism, of hope, we're entering the temple by the most glorious entrance. And there, at the foot of those gates, day after day, is someone with a congenital disease. They cannot walk, they're lame. And each day he's carried to that gate to beg for money. And at the end of the shift, he gets carried back again back home and that's interesting in itself isn't it someone had to take him nothing important in them but they did that job every day taking him to and from the gates where he made his living they were only playing their part but how often it's the small things in God's kingdom that make the big difference. What did they have in their hands? They had the ability to carry. 
Anyway, he reaches the temple, this poor beggar, of no personal merit whatsoever. He's at the beautiful gate, and it's an ugly situation. A man who is lame. And he sees Peter and John, and he does what he always does. He says, can you give me some money? I need some money to live. And that's not surprising. The practice of the Jew and part of their religion was to give to those who were worse off than themselves. So that would have been normal. And many of them would have given money. I suspect after a while, this man is about 40 apparently. And after 40 years, you probably get a bit bored of seeing the same face in the same place at the same time every day. A bit like coming out of the tube and seeing the same person there who was there the day before. And do we all stop and speak to them and give them something? No, we don't. And there are reasons for that, I know. But in this context, this would have been their expectation. And something moves in Peter's heart. And he looks at his hands. And what's in them? Nothing. Nothing at all. And he says as much, doesn't he? I haven't got anything to give you at all. Sorry about that. But what I can give you, I will. He has healing in his hands. Healing of God. And he heals the man's limbs and immediately he then leans forward and what does he do with his hand? He takes the man's hand and lifts him to his feet. He uses what he has, and his feet and his ankles become strong, and he clings, this man clings to Peter, and they go into the temple together. And what does he do then? It's mentioned four times, just so that we're sure. He walks. Not more more than that, actually. He leaps with joy and praises God, as if he's saying, is this for real? I can really do this. I hope you're doing it at home. My feet are better. God has healed me. Wow. I really am mobile. And of course, not surprisingly, it attracts loads of attention. If you've seen that man, that boring man who's there every day asking for money, and now he's with us walking, wow. What's happened? Let's go and find out. And they're filled with amazement and wonder. A story of wretchedness has been turned into a story of beauty. Something ugly has become beautiful. That reminds me of something else, actually. I I read... uh, Who knows... Does anyone know Garth Hewitt here, the Christian singer? Had a son called Tom Hewitt who works in South Africa. Uh, Tom Hewitt met, I'm going to get this, I hope I'm going to get this story right. Correct me if I'm I'm wrong. Um, I've got his book in the vicarage and I should have checked. I wouldn't be able to find it, but I would have tried. Um, He met a young lady whose name in the local language meant ugly. That's right. And extraordinarily, all he had to do was put one letter in front of the word 
and ugly became beautiful. So he changed her name. Not legally. But everyone then called her by a different name. Because he said there is no such thing as ugly before God. God has the power to make you beautiful. And that's what we see in this story. This poor beggar in front of the beautiful gates has his life changed from being one of ugliness to one of beauty. I use that as a phrase. I'm not talking about those that are lame. And Peter sees an opportunity. And all these people crowd around him and say, wow, how, is this? how have you done that? And it, it, Peter treats it almost as something comical, doesn't he? What do you mean? Isn't it obvious? Why are you asking me? It's nothing I've done. It wasn't Peter or John, it wasn't even Tom Hewitt who changed that young man or that young woman's life. It was God. And Peter immediately turns it around and starts talking to God. It's almost an, it's a brazen attack actually, isn't it? Did you notice that? Until right at the end, taking him by the right hand and lift him up, while the beggar held on, Peter saw this. Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has done this. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. You disowned the Holy and the Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses. I know I was there. He then relents slightly, doesn't he? Brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But it's a brazen attack. You did it. Every one of you. You killed the author of life. It seems ridiculous. But God has fulfilled what the prophets have been telling you all through history. And what you need to do is repent. Turn to God in order to receive God's forgiveness. And then the most beautiful of phrases, to receive the times of refreshing. Isn't that fantastic? Times of refreshing. So let's go back to our image of the hand. Peter came with nothing. But God filled his hands with healing power. He raised his hands in honour to God and he appeals to the people to do the same. To come with open hands, with nothing to receive from God. To be filled with new life, new spirit, new purpose. I was in Blackheath last week, but when I came back here uh, for the end of the service, there was... I think, Karen, you'd drawn a, a gingerbread man here, and on it you had stuck lots and lots of post-it notes of the gifts that you had. And there was encouragement, and there was tenderness, and gentleness, and conversation, and thoughtfulness, and all these wonderful attributes that you all have. 
So how did you use them this week? I can't hear you online. You can use the chat line. Has anyone used their gift this week? Simple nod? Excellent. I can come and ask you now. Ah, yes. (laughs) Be afraid. No. We all have gifts. And we use them week in, week out. This poor beggar wasn't expecting anything more than money. He knew what his society could give. And that's all he asked for. And he took it every day. But then one day, a fisherman stands in front of him. And he sees his weather-beaten face, his tanned face, his probably quite battered skin. He sees his hard-skinned hands, calluses on his hands from pulling in nets. Yet this fisherman has his hands open and says, I've got something to give you. And I'm going to give you new life, a new beginning, a new start. I'm going to heal you. Wow. There's a risk. It's a risk from both sides, isn't it? Risk from Peter. He didn't think it was a risk because he knew God was going to do it. A risk from the beggar. What am I going to get from Peter? Wow. God moves when we open our hands and ask for the Spirit to work through us. Have you taken a risk this week? I have to say it's easier for me. I talk to God. I talk uh, to people about God all the time. But then, if you're wearing a dog collar, it's kind of expected. So that's sort of easy, I suppose. But until a year ago, I was at work, as you know. And then I was expected to take a risk. So I did. And I've given you a few examples over the years of how I've taken a risk in an an area of employment where you start talking to people. You can be at receptions, you can be at a conference, you can be sitting next to anybody and they'll say something and you just ask a question and you prompt. And no sooner than blink, you're talking about God. People like talking about God. We feel embarrassed by it, but they actually enjoy it. It should be the same for each one of us. We are all beggars. We are all in need of God in our life. We're hungry to know the truth. We're hungry to experience the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to see God visible because when God changes us internally, it's seen externally. I was talking to someone this week um, who uh, was not expecting anything for us. Uh, And I I came back to um, 
the midweek service, actually, and I was sharing with some of you. I, I was just talking to this person. They just said, just, thank you so much. Thank you. I said, well, it, it's fine. It, it's, we're just doing what we can. Thank you. Thank you. You don't know what it means. Thank you. I said, well, it, it wasn't much out of my way. No, thank you. You're, you're showing you love me. Thank you. And they just kept on and on and on thanking me. And others who are sitting here who also helped. Simple things. Things that I could do. And it meant the world to that person. Because someone cared. Someone loved them. And someone wanted to be with them. You see, hospitality and welcome and God's love and his Holy Spirit work wherever you are. We don't need to wait for people to be carried into the church before we can talk to them. We need to be talking to them where they are, in our homes, on Blackheath Common, walking the dog, when we're standing watching the cricket, wherever it is, that's where they need to know that God loves them because we love them. What is in your hands? Use it to bring the love of God to those people that you meet. So just as we finish, let's hold out our hands now. What do we have in our hands, Lord? Help us to see. Open our eyes to know that wherever we are, you have given us gifts and you want us to use them in this coming week. Help us to know how we can use those gifts to bring healing, to bring future to others that something ugly may be something beautiful because you have intervened Lord help us we ask in your holy name Amen